Hello, Daily Lobo readers and listeners, and welcome to this special edition of The How. I'm Daily Lobo Managing Editor Gino Gutierrez, and on this special edition, I'm joined by Daily Lobo beat reporter Gabriel Biadora as we talk at length about his recent article, Enough APD Terror, Protesters Call for Abolition Over Reform. So Gabe, this week in the Daily Lobo, you had an article headlined, Enough APD Terror, Protesters Call for Abolition Over Reform. Um, and this was covering a protest that took place on February 26th, where local activists and community members uh, gathered in front of APD headquarters um, mm-hmm. to kind of protest recent actions of the police. Uh, do you mind just describing for us real quick what the feeling was like on the ground at this protest? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a re- it was a really good uh, march. It was really well organized by um, Fight for Our Lives and the other the other organizations. And overall, it was just a, it was a pretty, it was a, it was a peaceful demonstration and um, the energy was good. Everybody there was, everybody there was wearing masks. It was outside. Um, We had a great group of uh, speakers that were presenting on the steps of APD. Um, And yeah, it was just a good environment. Um, Everybody was there to, to collaborate with each other and to, to call for uh, the abolishment of APD. And one of the interesting parts about the march, uh, and you mentioned in the article, it took place nine years to the day uh, mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin was killed by uh, Neighborhood Watch Coordinator George Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned it was organized by Fight for Our Lives Albuquerque, um, a youth-led organization, and All Africans, All African People's Revolution Party, Power Through Peace, Save the Kids from Incarceration, Allied People's Coalition. So this was a pretty organized march in terms of getting uh, different uh, community groups from around the city involved. What was the main theme? I mean, obviously, we know it was calling for abolishment of APD. Were there any central themes that the that the speakers at the protest were touching on? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we've been going at this for, for a minute now. Um, it's always, you know, everybody wants police to stop killing people, right? And <laughs> just the same way that everybody wants to legalize weed. So now it's a question of, okay, how do we get there? How do we stop people? How do we stop the police from killing people? And basically it comes down to two options. It's going to be reform or it's going to be abolishment, right? Um, that's where defund the police comes from. Uh, it's to inevitably have the... <laughs> abolition or abolishment of, of a police department, right? <laughs> um, and so the thing with the reform is it's not effective, um, at, least with, at least with APD. Um, there are definitely arguments out there that will say that reform throughout all police departments are, are ineffective. Um, but I think especially with APD, um, I mean, they've gone, they've, they've gone through so many reforms th- through their establishments is like since 1880. Um, and the most recent one, of course, is the, is a case settlement agreement with the Department of Justice. And, you know, since that, since the Department of Justice intervened with APD in 2014, we haven't seen anything. There, there hasn't been any any significant reform done. It, it's APD, in fact, like it's quite the opposite. The Department of Justice has found that, that APD is actively trying to 
Yes. And so they've still found, they've still found so many, so many um, instances of neglect, um, especially in the internal affairs division, which is responsible for, for investigating uh, police involved shootings. Um, they found a huge backlog um, in their investigations. Um, and also not to mention that the Department of Justice made no mention of the racism and the discrimination that APD has towards communities of color, towards people who are unhoused to, to people who are suffering from mental disorders. I mean, dude, come on, like APD on record has one of the worst reputations in the country. Well, the interesting part um, about the article is, I mean, it's no secret, APD is, is uh, an embattled police department, to say mm -hmm. the least. Mm -hmm. um, it has such a deeply ingrained history of racism, discrimination against people of color, discrimination against the unhoused, the disenfranchised. And you reference the fact that reforms haven't worked. They just, they continue to not work for this police department that mm -hmm. is almost seems like it has these tenets of racism um, and discrimination ingrained in the very foundation of their policing. Yeah, um, and we've seen so many protests over the summer. Uh, in fact, this podcast episode, it, it's almost kind of uh, fitting that it happens in this, on the same day that George Floyd's family reached yeah. a settlement agreement with the state yeah. of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, and as his grand jury is being picked out for the upcoming trial of uh, the police officer who murdered him, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's interesting that, uh, we see repeats of these issues with police department, police departments using excessive force, police departments, murdering people of color, police departments, murdering the unhoused. Mm -hmm. Um, it, but it seems like APD and the city leaders are almost unwilling to address the problem. I mean, we just had uh, Harold uh, Medina appointed yes. as the new APD chief of police, yes. Um, and he is embroiled in his own uh, his own controversies with his past policing record. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, thank you, Gino, for mentioning that. I mean, the recent appointment of of Harold Medina as the chief as the chief of APD it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, the the shooting that Medina was involved in with uh, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Ellis. Um, that was that was a huge influence on the Department of Justice intervening, and of course, Albuquerque and the nation remembers what happened in 2014 with Dominic Montoya and and Medina's shooting and killing of of a 14 year old kid in a church, and not to mention how the so many other instances that Medina has been involved with, like the, so yes, I mean, the, 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 I don't even know if it's called irony, but the fact that the Department of Justice is still in its case settlement with, with, with APD and the fact that APD just appointed uh, Harold Medina as its, uh, as its chief, it's just, it's just astounding. Um, and Fight for Our Lives is going to hold another protest this weekend on Sunday um, where, you know, those, those uh, shootings and those incidents 
that Medina has been involved with will inevitably ultimately be, be brought up into, into that protest. So yeah, I mean, it's a huge, huge development uh, for APD. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, how his uh, position plays out, what he's gonna do. Um, you know, is he, is he gonna pull the same shit that he, that he has been for, for decades? Um, or are we gonna see, are we gonna see some meaningful re uh, reform done? Um, and, you know, to, to talk about your point about how these tenets of racism, of discrimination are ingrained within APD. That was one of the talking points um, that David uh, uh, Guerrero Ortiz mentioned to me is that APD actually isn't broken. It's, it's not broken, it's designed. It's, in, its intention is to be like this. It's actually working perfectly. And so that's what abolitionists are trying to call out for is that, okay, police departments are inherently racist and discriminatory. They were founded on slave patrols and they are an integral part into the amount of arrest that are in our prisons. They feed the prison industrial complex. They make money. And of course, communities of color are always the ones that, that are affected by this. So police departments work this way. That's their argument. And you can't reform something that was, in, that was purposed to be like this. So activists, abolitionists, they're calling just for complete sweep down. We don't need policing. We don't need APD. We need community. We need more investments into, into our own neighborhoods. We need better resources. We need more money. We need better labor. We need more opportunities. That's what keeps a community safe, not the police. And, and you raise a really good point there. I spoke to uh, Maddie uh, one of our other reporters a few weeks back, she wrote an article yeah, about uh, she wrote an article about um, funding going towards building parks in underserved communities around the city. And one of the interesting talking points uh, that Maddie brought up is the fact that the only uh, council members uh, in that group that voted against it were representatives of affluent parts of of New Mexico, uh, yeah. voting vehemently against a. Uh, a, a piece of legislation that would directly impact and improve quality of life in underserved communities. And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of um, what the activists and a lot of what the speakers in your article reference and a lot of what is just surrounding the conversation of police nationally mm -hmm. is the fact of over-policing in underserved communities. Yeah. Um, just the constant surveillance, constant um, fear of force in these communities. Albuquerque is no different. Uh, there are underserved communities all around the city that are uh, forced to live under excess policing. Um, and as these, these communities that uh, feel these effects the most. Um, and one thing of interest in the article is just, you mentioned 
again, like we've been touching on, repeat reforms never taking place, never taking hold. And even with the announcement of Medina uh, being selected as police chief, uh, Mayor Keller also announced Monday that uh, a gentleman by the name of Sylvester Stanley will serve as superintendent of police reform, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to see if that's actually going to be a useful position or if it's just another, you know, straw man filling to just right. please people to think that the police, uh, that APD is actually undergoing any sort of reform. Right. Right. I mean, dude, like, like what's the, what's the answer here to over-policing more money? Like you're just going to give the police more money to do this stuff. And it's, and also with that, the, the Department of Justice just had a, had a third party, um, third party investigation team onto the internal, uh, onto the internal affairs division. Um, hold on, let me, cause I really wanna, I really wanna quote this article cause I think it, uh, it's a really good article. Uh, Advocate Journal, police who police who police. Uh, Advocate Journal, police who police. You know what I'm talking about, though. I know, the, I know the one where the federal government announced that they were going to have like an oversight uh, committee or an oversight force facing yes. APD. Yes. So shout out to uh, reporter Elise Kaplan from the Albuquerque Journal. She she quotes an article in Albuquerque. There will be soon police who there will soon be police who police the police who police the police and. Dude, that's what that's what we're seeing right now. Um, it's so it's so difficult to hold police accountable. It's so difficult to reform police. People will argue that it's even impossible to reform police, and so that's where abolishment comes from. And I think abolishment raises a a, a very good point of the fact that this is just the current state policing has fallen to, not only in Albuquerque but around the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, Abolishment is usually always viewed as kind of like the last step right. in, in any in any sort of um, situation. Mm. So for APD to not only be facing this uh, under uh, from the community, but also for it to gain as much traction as it did, because um, you mentioned in the article there was a crowd of seventy people and they were brandishing signs, a majority of them saying "end police, abolish police." Uh, okay. abolish one was pretty powerful uh, okay. abolish structures of violence which is very which is very powerful because it, it really it really kind of speaks to the problem yeah apd has now in the in the eyes of members of the community um mm-hmm. has become only a structure of violence a mm-hmm. structure of oppression and is just it it, it no longer APD no longer represents those communities. APD oppresses those communities. Yeah. And that was one thing that was very interesting about reading the signs uh, of, the, of these protesters is it just represents that feeling. Hmm. Yeah. And totally, you know, so structure, perfect word. System, another perfect word. Because we can't keep, of course, we have to hold the individual police officers accountable for whatever they do. And even that, is so goddamn difficult. But what we really need to focus on is the system. It's a structure. We can't, we can't stop looking at the individual pieces 
and try and say, okay, this guy, this, this cop shot, um, shot this guy, we need to, we need to reprimand him. No, it's the whole system that feeds into that. It's an establishment, you know, it's, I, I swear to God, it's a franchise. It's a whole thing, man. And it definitely, it, it, it would seem like it is that, um, mm-hmm. just based off the fact that uh, this behavior is repeated nationally. This yeah. is a, this is national. This is nationally repeated behavior, and uh, one of the cruxes of it, at least um, from what I've seen and kind of what I think, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that none of these police officers are really trained to de-escalate situations. Yeah, they're trained to, if anything, most police officers escalate situations. They, mm-hmm. they Medina's example, Medina's case is a perfect example of when he shot that young man in that church. The young man was mentally ill and Medina did not, he did not properly de-escalate the situation and it ended up escalating to the point of that young man losing his life. And we see it in many cases of police officers who take the lives of individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's very interesting. The fact that you would think with repeated reforms would come the attempt to tweak or to better equip police officers for the mental challenges the Mm -hmm. physical dangers they face in the field Mm -hmm. but it seems like they come out of the academy almost trained to treat the world as a threat gino gino i love you this police have a warrior mentality dude they are trained to to see the public as dangerous and come on man they're they're brandished with a gun what, what does that do to you subconsciously? Just even the simple fact that you have a holstered gun and then you're gonna call yourself a public servant. What does that do to your mentality? And police officers are always trained that there's a threat out there, that somebody's gonna get them, that it's either, that's, it's either gonna be them or the other guy. So that's where that comes from. They're not trained to de-escalate situations, man. No, and they and they never have been. Um, uh, There's so many cases in the city of situations only being escalated by the involvement of police officers. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it firsthand a couple times in a retail setting where it's it's escalation. Um, Can you tell me what happened? uh, I'll probably I'll tell you, but I won't put it on the podcast because they'll probably get mad at me. Yeah, just just times where people have stolen things and officers uh, just start yelling at them, start grabbing them, start throwing them around. Um, They go on a power trip. Yeah. And I think that's one of the that's one of the things, uh, again, speaking to the fact that officers are just not they're not trained properly to address these situations as they they enter a fight or flight mentality and over respond to situations and more often than not their over response leads to um undesired outcomes and people and people die yeah i mean dude at the end of the day like medina is still here dominic matoya isn't kenneth ellis isn't you know which is which is probably the most um egregious thing about what what's what happens is um and george floyd is almost uh 
the it's so unfortunate that his example should be almost one to encapsulate what policing in America is, um, is the fact that the uh, the officer uh, who took his who murdered him had every opportunity to stop. He had every opportunity to not do what he was doing, and he actively rather was subconsciously or consciously made the decision to not. And I think that encapsulates the issue with policing in America is the fact that there is no there is no one to stop the police when the police are committing crimes. And that's one of the things. And I think one of the things about the, his situation as well is he was surrounded by three fellow officers who did nothing to stop it's, what was happening. It's a culture, man. It's a culture. It's an entire environment that breeds into this stuff. It feeds it. And, you know, to that, to that question, I mean, one of, the, one of the most, I think, resonant statements that I've come through through, the, through police abolition is, who do you call when the police start killing? Who's there to, hold, to be held accountable? And again, man, I just want to reiterate, like, at the end of the day, Derek Chauvin is going to trial. He's alive. George Floyd's dead. He's going to stay dead. And there's really nothing that can change that. Jolene Nez, she's dead. Claude Trevino, he's dead. And all of these officers, they're still here, man. I mean, just looking at it like that, like... And it's definitely, it's a tough pill to swallow when you take into account things like qualified immunity. Um, you take into account officers being let off for the term in fear of their lives, yeah. um, which has always been kind of an interesting term to me because it never once takes into account if, um, you know, Trayvon Martin, I'm sure, was in fear of his life. Yeah. I'm sure George Floyd, obviously, um, in that ghastly video, was afraid for his life these people who have their lives taken from them were afraid of their lives. Elijah McClain was afraid for his life. And the city of Aurora admitted those officers had no probable cause to stop him from walking down the street. And that's the thing about it. I think that is, it, it, it's encouraging to see protests like this. It really is. And it's encouraging to see community leaders speak to these issues. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a tough pill to swallow when these actions continue to happen. Yeah. And it's, I mean, nothing happens overnight, obviously. But mm -hmm. um, I think the appointment of Medina kind of just almost reinforces the fact that APD has no, um, no intent of changing, no intent of doing a restructure of culture. Um, and Mayor Keller and other city officials seem to just stand idly by and let it happen. Yeah. I mean, get on the nose, man. Like there's so much, there's so much purposeful neglect that goes on in the city. And to add so much insult to injury they're acting like they, they're they're doing a great fucking job 
You know what I fucking mean? And it's, it's just appalling. It, it really just is appalling. And again, at the end of the day, this, this is a, this movement as, as encouraging and as necessary as it is, it's still tragic, dude. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement is, is built on the tragedy of, of these deaths. They're, they're a response to, to death. Like how much, what does that even, you know, like even that in itself, how, what does that speak to? Like, it's crazy, man. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to derail our, our trajectory, but you had me thinking like when you, when you told, when you, when you mentioned, oh shit, my, uh, laptops about to die <laughs> okay and so you mentioned you, you mentioned earlier that police reform is so often like the radical uh, not police reform sorry ab abolishment is like the radical last option of of police reform right it's always it's always seen as some as some uh as some liberal thing that <clears throat> that people don't want to get behind by because they think it's like, you know, of course we want to, we want to stop police from killing people, but you know, I don't think we should end police. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it's painted in a radical light, right? Like such a, it's painted in a radical leftist crazy, you know, feeling. And you yeah. see, and, and it's reflected a lot in this uh, figure, literal, literal, senior leadership of the democratic party yeah. that, that they don't, they, they, uh, I know on a recent, um, after the 2020 election, presidential election and mm. Senate seats, um, the leadership of the democratic party had a conference call in which they lamented the fact that they lost seats in the house. And, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the members of the party, the senior heads were saying like, we have to separate ourselves from, you know, defund the police and all this stuff. We have to separate ourselves from those because those are killing yeah. campaigns. Um, but okay. it's it, it's interesting because it's not when you really look at it. Um, it's not a it's not a radical idea. Mm. It's yeah. it's honestly the next logical step. Like when you're. Exactly. When you're a person of color, which we both are, we're both people of color. When you're, when you consistently watch people who look like you, people who talk like you, people who are from the same communities as you, when you consistently watch those people get assaulted, brutalized, up, brutalized, killed. perfect word, and killed, what is your response going to be? Your response is going to be, how do we correct this course of action? And we have, and it's not like, and I, the thing that frustrates me is we act like, people act like we haven't tried to exhaust other realms of possibility. Exactly. This article paints it perfectly. There's been multiple reforms that have been attempted. There are, there have been countless initiatives, countless, yeah. you know, community outreach programs that these police departments have tried to issue. Mm -hmm. 
but the narrative remains the same. Mm-hmm. So we have finally arrived at the climax of this is this is not a radical idea. This is not people trying to just get rid of police for the sake of getting rid of police. Yeah. He's trying to find a better solution. This is trying to save lives. People's lives. Yes, exactly. exactly. And I, I mean, don't, and I think yeah. that's what a lot of people don't realize is that there are there are future lives at stake because of this right now. There are people who will have interactions with the police that will end in them and po- them losing their lives. And this is an attempt to try to save those people. But it, again, like we've been, like we've been talking about city officials, state officials, na- national officials don't mm-hmm. care. They just don't care. How many more people are going to die while they're trying to reform this? Oh, how many? Like it, I mean, it begs the question honestly. Um, and this is just kind of my perspective, yeah, of the fact that the United States as a country yes, it is. is inherently racist, it is a nation built upon countless black and brown and Asian bodies. It's uh, people of color built the infrastructure of this nation and have been segregated have been oppressed and have been ostracized because of it i mean you think of you think of obviously you think of slavery you think of um the fact that asian uh asian americans and uh uh, people from the Asian Pacific Islands built the railroads, built the infrastructures of this country, and those those that that same group of people that contributed so much to the to the uh, current state of the nation are now facing hate crimes on a daily basis. And it's just the police, to your point that you made earlier, started as slave patrols. This uh, inherent oppression is kind of built into their foundation. It's who they are. I really like the quote that you got because it's true. This is the way APD is meant to operate. And it's the way police departments are meant to operate. And all we're asking is for a complete teardown and a rethink of what community safety looks like. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned the, the Asian hate crimes that have been happening in the states you know joe biden just addressed it and in california they have a new they have a whole specialized unit to deal with this thing it like is that really the option is that really the the solution here that you're that you're going to have another police unit to try and combat agent hate crime so i don't know unfortunately i can't Dude, I, I honestly, I'll be honest with you. I feel like a really shitty Asian because I, I have not been keeping up with Asian hate crime news. It's, it's a, it's a difficult pill to swallow to watch the, the, you know, the footage people are posting of elderly Asian people walking down the street and people are running up to them and they're knocking them over. They're, you know, in certain cases, hitting them, punching them right in the face. Uh, and was that Uber driver? Yeah. 
it is it, it's uh, and it just it speaks to the culture of the country and it it's not I, I i just have always had a tough time with people who um just can't wrap their heads around that uh an institution such as police isn't racist yeah i mean all you have to do is look at their actions mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't always had police, dude. That's the thing. Like, police are fairly new here. You know what I mean? As an institution. I I remember, this is a weird history fact, but, you know, the time, (laughs) Isaac Newton was the head of, like, a public organization that oversaw, like, public safety. They didn't have any police. Police are new, man. They don't need to be here. They're here to, they're here to only feed the problem that, that the other institutions are helping create, man, to build capital, to make money, to feed the prison industrial complex, to perpetuate the killing of communities of color. So how do you, how do you fix something that doesn't want to be fixed? And I think APD is a perfect example of that. Uh, we touched on it with Medina's appointment. It is, it is representative of a system that is unwilling and uncompromising mm-hmm. and does not want to change because they know um, that APD practically has operated with impunity in the city. I mean, I've ran out of how many specialized units they have now. Um, And they've just become almost kind of like a rogue, like the rogue entity in the city where it's kind of, they actually, they exercise with impunity. They do what they want, when they want, and not even the mayor, The, the mayor, just as like a, a as an idle bystander and just lets it happen. He, he doesn't let it happen. He he pushes it forward. He's continuing it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a collective effort, dude. It it takes a town, you know. And yeah, dude. I like. I'm sorry. I trailed off there. I, I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> All right. 